If you enjoy our content and think this is important material, the best compliment you can pay is by sharing this with your friends and family. This helps us out a lot. Also, if you enjoyed today's program, please like, comment, share, and subscribe to this podcast. We would love to hear from you. Truth in My Days podcast is sponsored by the Truth in My Days ministry. Welcome to the Truth in My Days podcast, where we defend the Word of God against the challenges. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. That's in your pew Bibles right after 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. You're reading verses 1 to 10. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. September 11th, 2001. Who can ever forget the events of that horrific day? Waking up to the shocking news that a jet plane had crashed into the World Trade Center in New York City, thinking at first that it must have been some sort of terrible accident, and then hearing that a second plane had slammed into the other tower of the center and realizing that this was no accident. We sat glued to the television trying to find out what was going on and the horror just kept growing as first one and then the other tower collapsed, coming down in an inferno of destruction that covered an area of several city blocks. And another plane flying into the Pentagon, a fourth crashing in a field in Pennsylvania. We heard that this was a massive terrorist attack right in the heart of the world's only superpower. We listened in shock as we heard the story pieced together. How a band of Muslim fundamentalists armed with knives and box cutters had hijacked four passenger airlines and deliberately flown them into the World Trade Center and the Pentagon, killing all aboard and thousands of innocent civilians. The death toll was initially estimated to be perhaps more than 6,000 people. We now know that it was 2,808. 2,808 lives brutally snuffed out in an act so evil we can scarce wrap our minds around it still. The United States was in absolute shock. How could this happen? 
How could this happen? What had gone wrong? They seemed almost in paralysis as they tried to process what they had just gone through. And one refrain kept coming up. This changes everything. Things will never be the same again. Everything has changed. We thought of the 2,808 people who had lost their lives that day. It seems a safe bet that not even one of them had gotten up that morning realizing it was their last day. No, their last hours on earth. You can imagine the morning of those office tower workers getting up seemed to be a day like any other Waking up early in the morning, perhaps cursing the buzzing of that alarm clock, showering, grabbing a quick cup of coffee and some toast while scanning the financial report in the newspapers, perhaps a little annoyed that uh, the stock market had dropped again and the value of that investment portfolio set aside for their retirement was going down, and taking the bus and the subway to the office, jostled by fellow commuters, and thinking, you know, maybe tomorrow I should come by car instead of the uh, bus and the subway. If you have missed any episodes and would like to listen to them, they will all be available on our YouTube channel and on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. You can find the links to these on our website, truthinmydays.com, or you can look for Truth In My Days on YouTube as one word. Then up in the office at the water cooler, maybe talking about the upcoming World Series because, you know, the Yankees are going to be in it with absolutely no way to know about the plane that was coming closer and closer. Or the mom with the up-and-coming business career trying to juggle job and kids, scrambling to get them ready in the morning while deliberating over which power suit to wear to work, zipping the kids over to daycare, saying, okay, remember, I'll pick you up around 5 this afternoon. And then up to the office, tackling the mountain of work in the in part of the in-out box on the uh, tray. Just another day, as usual, until the screaming started. You know, that part is something that hit the survivors really hard. They were forced to face the reality that you never know when your life is going to end. It may well happen when you least expect it when you're least ready for it, as it did for that 2,808 on 9-11-2001. And so everything had changed. There was suddenly an awareness among the people that there are more important things in life than some of those things we were spending too much time on. Family, friends, our children. These were what we had to pay more attention to. Here is where our focus had to be. And it was going to be different from now on. We had learned to focus on the important things. Spirituality. In the moment of disaster, the facade of self-assured liberal humanism slipped. A window opened to think of the transcendent. We saw the President of the United States and the whole Congress talking about God. The media, usually so secular and sneeringly dismissive of religion, 
were seeking out religious leaders to speak. And for once, the atheists were keeping quiet about it. I remember hearing Franklin Graham, son of Billy Graham and now a minister, being interviewed on CNN. He was giving a very good account during the coverage of what the Christian gospel is all about. He was talking about how Jesus is the only way to salvation. There is no other way. And I kept waiting for the interviewer to cut him off at that point, as he normally would do. You can't have that kind of stuff on television, don't you know? That kind of narrow-minded, intolerant, bigoted stuff. But this time, they didn't cut him off. This time, the gospel went out on the airwaves of CNN as the world watched. Because things were different now. It would never be the same again. Everything's changed. September 11th, 2002. One year later, the first anniversary of the disaster. There were commemorations all over the United States. CNN again had round-the-clock coverage. I watched some of it. As I was watching the screen, I was also watching the little news ticker at the bottom. If you've seen CNN, you know they have a ticker that keeps flashing all the latest headlines while the rest of the story is playing on the screen. One item caught my eye. A certain U.S. court ruling that the city council, the local city council, cannot pray before their meetings. That's illegal. It violates the Constitution. I thought of some of the other news events that had been going on. The Ninth District Court in Florida ruling that the American Pledge of Allegiance, which children recite in schools, is unconstitutional because it mentions the word God. Mustn't have that in our schools. We had liberal talking heads insisting that the ultimate cause of the 9-11 disaster is religion. That's the problem. Religion in general and specifically fundamentalist Christianity. They're the real bad guys in the world. Meanwhile, we had our baseball players making an average of more than $2 million a year for playing a kid's game about to go on strike. Christians continue to be killed all around the world in the hundreds of thousands for no other crime than being Christians. And nobody cares and nobody talks about it. The United States lamenting the 2,808 killed, rightly lamenting the 2,808 killed on 9-11, while continuing to kill more than 4,000 unborn babies every single day. And the reality is that nothing has changed. It is indeed back to the same old, same old. It is back to living for career and money and pleasure and ignoring the big things of life and God, please keep out of things. Nothing has changed. Now this may seem strange. After such a terrible disaster that shook them so profoundly, after all those resolutions to change their focus, how is it that the world has returned to its old ways? But it's really not so strange. This is the way of the world. It is their natural way of operating. It is what they are born to. So it is not surprising that they return to it. Ephesians 4, 17 to 18 describes it this way. 
the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the hardening of their heart. So how can they really change? But before we judge them too harshly, let us remember that this used to be our way of operating too. The epistle to Titus, chapter 3, verse 3 says, For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. We are different now, but it is not because of our merit. It is, as Titus 3, 4 says, the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared. And 1 Corinthians six eleven, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And that being the case, we are commanded in Ephesians four seventeen to no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. Verses 22 to 24, Put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new man which was created according to God in righteousness and true holiness. The world can't change its ways. But we must, and we can. Our reading this morning, I think, speaks well to this situation, the 9-11 disaster, its context, and the response of the world to it. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. This, of course, is talking about the return of Jesus. But we can't help but hear kind of an echo there. When they say peace and safety, the new world order, communism has fallen, everything is peaceful. We are the superpower, the most powerful nation on earth. We have, we're safe. We can't be touched. And yet sudden destruction comes. But you, brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. The sudden destruction that came on 9-11-2001 was certainly an awful disaster. But it shall be as nothing compared to the sudden destruction that will come upon the world when the day of the Lord comes. And we know it's coming. But the world is of the night and of darkness. And so it slips back to its old ways, ignoring the warnings. However, we are not of the night nor of darkness. We are children of light and of the day. So we are the ones who should be living differently from the world. We are the ones who should be living in the light of eternity. If anyone should understand that this life is ephemeral, 
that it can end at any time, but that there is an eternal one coming after that. It is we who should understand that. The question is, are we living differently? Are we living as if we know that our time is limited and is too precious to waste on trivialities? Ephesians 5, 15 to 16 says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Redeeming the time, what does that mean? It means making the best use of, the best use of the time we have. It is a non-renewable resource. And what does the world do with this non-renewable resource? They use it for self, for sensual pleasure and instant gratification, for making money and building careers so that they can have nicer cars, bigger houses and self-actualization while their kids get daycare, video games and Prozac. How are we using our time? Are we really redeeming it? Are we using our time to build our families in the most godly manner we can? Are we using our time to have fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ so that we can support and edify one another? Or is our time too precious to spend on fellowship? Are we studying God's word diligently so that we will know what he wants of us? And that we can know and understand him. And that we will not be misled by false teachers. Are we preaching the word to the lost? Really? Are we redeeming the time? Or are we living like the Gentiles? If we are, listen to 1 Peter 4.3. It says, we have spent enough of our past lifetime doing the will of the Gentiles. We have to change our lifestyle. We have to live for Christ, and we have to make that change now. For those 2,808 who died in the 9-11 disaster, death came upon them suddenly and unexpectedly, and we don't know who was ready for it and who wasn't. We don't know how many of them are thinking back now to how they spent their days on this earth and thinking, if only I realized what was coming, how differently I would have done things. If now on the other side they realize how foolish it was to waste the time on the things that they were spending them on. And yet somehow it's so easy to let these mundane cares, these cares of the world, the need to have more money, the need to build careers... It is so easy to let those come in and choke your Christian life. But as difficult as it may be to overcome that, we must live as those who are always ready, regardless of when Jesus comes, so that that day may not overtake us as a thief in the night. You, brethren, are not in darkness. So we should live as those in the light. Oh yeah, how to kill a shark. Now, a shark is a pretty powerful predator, right? Particularly if you've got something like a great white shark. Probably many of you have seen Jaws, right? Anybody seen Jaws? Uh, 
Now, now the Mako sharks have good uh, cachet as well after Deep Blue Sea, if any of you have seen that one. Uh, tiger sharks, hammerheads. You know, they're like cock of the walk in the ocean. They're not much that can challenge them. But sharks actually have one huge disadvantage compared to other fish. There's one way in which even the lowly goldfish is superior to the shark. And that is that in order to keep breathing, in order to keep the water circulating through the gills, sharks must always keep moving forward. If it stops moving forward long enough, it dies. So you can actually kill a shark by holding it motionless until it suffocates. Now in this way, the shark is like the Christian. We have to be moving constantly forward to stay healthy. There is a strong tendency on our part, just like the world, to slip back to the old ways of doing things until we look no different from the rest of the world. The safeguard against that is to never become complacent with where we are in the Christian life, but to keep moving forward. It is significant that Paul, if you read 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, he enthusiastically praises the Thessalonians. He lavishes them with praise, how wonderful they are. Such a great example to churches in their own city, their own place, and everywhere in the Roman world. He praises them for their work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. It's very different from when you read, say, Corinthians, where there are all these problems and Paul is writing to them to try to deal with the problems. Not with the Thessalonians. They seem to have it all together, all right. And Paul lauds them. And yet in chapter 4, verse 1, he writes, We urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. And you read that and you might wonder, what does Paul want? I mean, he's praised and they're so wonderful, no criticism, and still he wants them to abound more and more. Because no matter how far the Thessalonians have come, they must keep moving forward. And so must we. 9-11 reminded us that the days are indeed evil. A reckoning is coming. It may be sooner than you think. If the world will not heed God's warnings, we nevertheless must do so. Let it start now. Don't wait for tomorrow. 9-11 should have taught us that there may be no tomorrow for us. Let us pray. Our Father, we pray that you may impress upon us the importance of living for you, of not putting things off for tomorrow that may never come. We pray that you will work in the hearts and minds of each person here, that they may truly take stock of how we are living and how we are spending our time and what the time is going on and whether we are indeed living in the light of eternity or walking like the rest of the Gentiles walk. We pray, Lord, that you will give true faith and strength to people here, that they may 
step out in the way that is right, that they will not be dismayed by the thought of, oh, I have to do it on my own, I can't do that because we'll suffer for it, but that we will put our faith in God and believe Jesus' words, that if we seek your things first, all the other things shall be added to us. Help us, Lord, that these may not just be empty platitudes coming from our mouths, but they may be the way we live our lives. In Jesus' name we ask these and pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Truth In My Days podcast with John Torse. If you like our content, please share this information with family and friends. It helps us a lot. We also would love to hear from you. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Truth In My Days as one word again. Truth In My Days as one word. No spaces in between. Or reach us by email at info at truthinmydays.com. You may also visit our website for more comprehensive material and to learn more about our ministry. Our website is truthinmydays.com. Thank you.